Radio Vermont, WDEV, takes no responsibility for the opinions or statements made by the House Calls Vermont show host or their guests. The information provided during the House Calls Vermont show is offered only as a public service and should not be used as a substitute for obtaining any professional advice from a licensed professional. Our house, in the middle of our street, our house, in the middle of our WDEV presents House Calls Vermont with hosts Jim Bradley and Chris West. Each week, a new topic specific to building or renovating in the Green Mountains and your phone calls. Brought to you by R.K. Miles, a third-generation family-owned business. Proud to be your local building material supplier. Find a location near you at rkmiles.com. By Poly Construction. For over 30 years, known for anything construction, big or small jobs, one call does it all. P-O-L-L-I construction.com. Ken Libby of the Stowe Area Realty Group at Keller Williams Stowe, your trusted advisor. 802-793-2002. By Curtis Lumber with two locations in Vermont, Williston and Burlington. Request a quote for your next project online at curtislumber.com. Buy Sticks and Stuff and Swanton Lumber with locations in St. Albans, Enosburg, Swanton, Derby, and Middlesex. Shamrock Painting, painting and custom wood finishing. Shamrockpainting.com. Wytha Windows, high-performance passive house windows and doors. Online at WYTHEWindows.com by Matt Clark's Northern Basement Systems for all things basementy. NorthernNEFoundations.com. Your participation is encouraged. Call the listener line with any questions you have at 802 244 1777 or toll-free at 1-877-291-8255. Now, House Calls Vermont with Jim and Chris. Good afternoon. This is Chris West. I'm here in the studio with my colleague and friend Jim Bradley. Good afternoon, everybody. And we are House Calls Vermont. We are the uh I've heard Sarah said before, the clicking clack of building science. <laughs> um, so if you have questions about what's going on with your house, this has actually been a really good moment to look at what's going on in your house because we have some very cold temperatures sure. and now some very warm temperatures are going to get very cold again. And that's when the, the, uh, the differences in temperature cause an exacerbation or, or, or really, um, the extremes that will let you see building science questions. And we've gotten calls this week. Both Jim and I have gotten calls this week Definitely. from people saying, I'm seeing some stuff that's really concerning me about my house. And yet I've not seen it before. Right. Or have seen it before and it's it's continuing or yes. any of those. So um, if you have a question, please feel free. Give us a call, 244-1777. I'm not going to give the toll-free number because I don't think – tolls are a thing anymore except on roads <laughs> so we're going to leave that one alone um uh this week um uh i have uh, redistributed the uh indoor air quality monitors to the second group of people you should be getting those in the mail and uh we are looking forward to having another two or three rounds of this before we get to the end the last show of the season which is the 24th of march and yep. we will be sharing the outcomes of that with you at that time 
Definitely. Also on today's show, we're going to have with us Lou Castle of Page and Campbell Insurance. And Lou is also a uh, on the board. He's a vice president of education for the Vermont Builders and Remodelers Association. But he has a, a unique knowledge about the insurance industry, not just because it's what he does for a living. He does so many things. My gosh, he was a graduate of West Point. Um, I know he's a woodworker at the same yeah, time. He's cabinet and, maker with ca- his daughter. They have a company making cabinets. Yes, he's also an EMT um, in Cornwall, I believe, Vermont. Yeah. And so he has a, a vast wealth of knowledge, but also he understands the insurance industry really well. And, our, in our, and in our changing times right now, it is so important that you as a homeowner, um, you as a contractor, have the best information possible so that you're not left overexposed. You know, so that's we're going to have him on after the first break, and you'll be he'll be able to go through a few questions that we had for him, but also your questions. So feel free to call in on that number eight zero two two four four one seven 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 with any questions that you have, and we look forward to a really great discussion. So um, uh, a quick update on uh, what happened this week. Uh, Jim and I were both participants <sighs> in a press conference uh, supporting uh, the H-157, the, the contractor registry. We've yes. spoken about that on the air before. And um, unfortunately, as that press conference was wrapping up, the governor decided to veto this particular piece of legislation. And why did he? You know, I mean, I, I, I'll i give him this. He's definitely an intelligent person. Yep. I think the people around him were probably giving him some really incorrect information. You know, the information that Chris and I see on, you know, every every week, for sure, several times a week, when we sit across the table with homeowners and talk to contractors on the phone, you know, there is a definite need for better resources, better education, and People are looking for that. They want to be able to know what contractor, which contractor should I choose to do the work? Right. Which one has the proper understanding for our climate zone? Not just how to swing a hammer, but to appoint a building appropriately that will last, remain healthy, and everything else. And what if you're a contractor who you're looking to do the right thing? We just had a, a member from the southern part of Vermont join our, our association because he was looking for, he listened to the show for one, um, but he also was looking for better educational opportunities. And he was for the contractor registry because he realized it would give more validity to what he was doing in his field. And yet when the governor used the argument basically that it was a David and Goliath situation where it was going to give unfair advantage to big large builders, big builders. Did you realize that most all builders in the state of Vermont are small companies? Yep. You know, if you Five have a, or fewer employees. On, exactly. On most of the builders. And so most of them are small builders. Most of them are already adhering to some of these principles without exception. And yet to, to ask others who are getting into the field to do a simple lift like have insurance, you know, liability insurance in case they cause damage to your home when they're uh, working. We had on a it. caller last week who called in and said um, about, or maybe it was two weeks ago, yep. talking about the registry. Well, what if I just want to hire my neighbor to come over and build a garage? And we were like, uh, you can do that, but you're exposing yourself to some serious liabilities. Let's say my neighbor slips and falls when they're building this garage sure. for me. You, they don't have insurance. They don't have a company. They, you don't have a contract with them. It's just a, a, a handshake and a, and a, a, a you know a wink. Um, you're exposing yourself to lots of liability, and we can actually throw that question to Lou when we talked to him earlier later. Um, but we were just kind of flabbergasted. We even asked. Um, the governor, if we could sit down and speak with him about this. One of the things you got to know about Jim and I is Jim and I were, were friends and we're building science people. But we're also very different people from the political spectrum. 
it's not like I'm the liberal guy and Jim's a liberal guy and we're just pushing a liberal agenda that's no. trying to push big government. I am a liberal guy, but Jim is also a very conservative guy and he's all for this. So that the governor was willing to listen to his, his small pack of cronies telling him the wrong information about why this is important was really disappointing for us. What was amazing to us is these stories don't stop. It's not just the We major, heard one today. That's where I was going, yeah. definitely. We were in somebody's house today, and it was about a builder who had had some challenges with an addition that he had done, and he wanted more information. So he contacted us. Great. you know, But we're not the only – we shouldn't be the only entity in the state that could give this information. He needs – contractors need this type of education and this type of resource to use. And so we went to this homeowner's house. We saw what was causing the problems. We came up with a strategy strategy to, to correct the it's issue. It's a strategy. <laughs> to make it right. But also at the same time, what did he do? That homeowner told us about a friend of his that lives near him that had a contractor a couple years back come in, give a price for a screened-in porch, took a deposit of $8,000, and they've never heard from him Disappeared again. more than a year ago. H- hadn't gotten arrested or anything, so now they're left out $8,000. So see, the contractor registry, what it would do, what it was designed to do, is allow for builders to, yes, register with the state. They have to be in good standing. They have to have the proper insurance, use a simple contract for the work they're going to do over a certain financial threshold, which is $3,500. And, you know, with that, if they start to do things that aren't right, they can get reported and be taken off the list. But it also serves as an asset to consumers in the state of Vermont that they could go and say, well, who do I, who do do I go with? Do I just go with my neighbor? Do I go with this person? I, they've got a truck with a name on it, but what else do they know? What kind of history do they have, right? I mean, this registry is set up to be monitored and maintained by the Office of Professional Regulation. So if you were a builder and, and you were on this list, on the, in this registry, and somebody and, – and one of the, the fears that builders would have is that someone would – give false testimony against them or have sure. a problem. But the Office of Professional Regulation has investigators, both civil and criminal investigators, who would investigate sure. any complaints and no one would be removed from the registry without being properly heard in a legal setting. Yep. So those fears of the small builder are really should be allayed because if you're going into – a, a situation where you're building something for someone. You should have a contract and you should have insurance. One of the questions that we heard during the press conference was, um, if the registry is there, can I see not only if the builder's on the registry and if they're on the registry, that means that they don't have any complaints that went all the way to the point where they were removed from the registry, which is also a legal process. But also, is the name of the insurance company that insures that builder available on that registry so you as the consumer can call the insurance company and say, are these people still insured? Now, it sounds like um, we may be kind of being hysterical about this, but I tell you, we have heard story after story about builders who say they're insured, go to the job site, and the morning of, call the insurance company, cancel the policy to save what? 
a hundred dollars, two hundred dollars. I mean, this insurance is not that expensive. Yes, it is a thousand or two thousand dollars a year, but it's actually it's for for general liability insurance policy is four to six hundred dollars a year. Right. So that's a very light lift for if you're going to be in business. If you're really in business doing this and you're going to be offering your services as a contractor, you want this insurance too because if you don't have this insurance, they can come after your personal assets. That's right. You know, so you could lose your shirt, your house, everything in between as a contractor. So it protects both parties. And I would just love for the opportunity to have the governor sit with us when we're looking at these homeowners and these contractors who are asking for these resources to be available to them to say that it's just going to hurt the small contractor. What about hurting the small Vermonter who has limited funds, who doesn't know who to trust in and can't find the the educated and, and, and ethical contractor? This is an important resource, and we're hoping that there's going to be a way through this still, that the contractor registry will become law and, and, and a requirement. As soon as possible. As soon as possible. Because, it, like I said, almost without exception, Chris and I just continue to get these stories from other people who have been in, in hurt by uh, you know, not having this in place. And that being said, all the other goals that we are trying to set as a state – from workforce development increase, from uh, the climate action plan to reduce, uh, you know, climate change and, and and things of this nature, and the middle income housing initiative where we're trying to b- build more affordable housing for middle income uh, earners. You know, all that ha- can't happen unless this fundamental uh, principle or registry is in place, yeah. so that contractors can have a place to get the resources they need to become better at what they do, and also for people looking to get into the field that they don't see this as their last resort, but the first choice because it's a viable, robust industry. And that's what we're hoping for in this situation. Yeah. And, and I got to say, um, even as a person who generally votes on the on the blue side of the thing, I voted for for Phil Scott. I think Phil Scott is a good governor in general. I liked his handling of the corona situation and and lots of other things. When when the marijuana laws were first put out um, and the legislator threw him some stuff, he was like, I'm not comfortable with this. I need a couple of more things. And I really respected that. But this, I'm really feeling like this is just pandering to a super conservative base that thinks that any regulation at all is bad, no matter whether it helps or not. Yeah. So that's what we're concerned about, and that's why we're disappointed in Phil Scott on this one. Well, we're right up against our first break. It's uh, quarter two, and give us a call, 802-244-1777, and we'll see you after the break. Christmas Eve Then and Now by Wythe Windows. Christmas Eve Then. And Mama and her kerchief and I and my cap had just settled our brains for a long winter's nap. Tighten up that kerchief. It's going to be a cold one. It's that nasty draft from the window that's to blame. Away to the window I flew like a flash, tore open the shutters and threw up the sash. Hurry, I think I see something. It's stuck. And Christmas Eve now. Look, it's Santa. What a clear, unobstructed view we get through our white windows. Quick, tilt it open. Hey, Santa, it's Jim. Those are some good-looking white tilt-and-turn windows. I know. Eight locking points keep them air and water tight, and they're made in New Jersey. That's my next stop. I have a new guitar for the boss. I heard him exclaim, and he drove out of sight. White windows for all, for a house cozy and tight. White windows, high-performance passive house windows and doors. Online at WITHEwindows.com.
Welcome back to House Calls Vermont. I'm Jim, and, and this is Chris. How's it going, guys? I'm just thinking about my dream kitchen now. What what is my dream kitchen, and what I'd want? What I want to <laughs> one that's not empty and clean. <laughs> you know? Definitely. I do want to just jump in. I said this last time. Um, I'm all for people buying canal insulation. I just want to make sure that we understand that air seal first. Yes. Before you add insulation, air seal first. You can you can put five feet of insulation in there. If you're not air sealing, you're not doing yourself any favors. Yeah, definitely. In a minute, we're going to go to Lou Castle from Page and Campbell Insurance. But right now, we have we're going to go to our phones and we have a call from James in Burlington. James, welcome to the show. And how can we help you today? Uh, how are you doing, Jim? Uh, uh, this is for Jim. Especially, I just, Jim, this is James from the barber shop. You come in. Oh yes, James. <laughs> how you doing, sir? How you doing? Yeah, I just, I, I, I just, uh, I'm just a little bummed that I heard that he, uh, the governor vetoed the bills. We were talking about that the other day. Yes. Um, you know, you know, and, and like once again, you know, I'm a licensed barber, and, and uh, I just find it crazy, you know, that um, you know I'm licensed, and you know I have to pay, you know, the state every two years to to cut somebody's hair for, you know, thirty four dollars, but you you can build somebody a house for two hundred thousand and not be licensed at all. Yep. Well, even even that two hundred thousand is a really cheap house at this yeah, moment. You, <laughs> like a really cheap house. Sure. Yeah, but yeah, with that. If, if you ever gave a bad haircut, which I've never had one from, from Old Soul uh, over in Winooski, great haircuts there. But with that, if I ever got a bad haircut, I could easily recover from that in about a month or so. You know, um, if somebody builds the house wrong and it falls in or becomes a mold factory or something else is wrong or you got to pay to replace things later, which are thousands and tens of thousands of dollars, that's so much yep. more significant. So really, that's why I wanted to call because I I know you've been working, you guys have been working hard on it. So I just thought I'd give a call and say hello and uh, love listening to your show. Okay, James, thanks for calling and thanks for the support. We really yeah, appreciate great. it. Good luck to that, guys. Yeah, thanks, okay. appreciate care. it. So right now we're going to go to Lou Castle, who's on the line with us from Page and Campbell Insurance. Lou, welcome to the show and thank you for joining us. Thank you, Jim. I appreciate the, the opportunity. And you know, you just let the cat out of the bag. You know, we start talking about insurance, and you know, all five of your, customers, your listeners are heading to the radio to change the station. <laughs> it sounds like a really boring uh, topic, but Lou, you've always made it so engaging. Well, I try to bring it to real world so people can understand it without using a lot of jargon. Yeah. And it seems like you folks today have focused on the registry bill. Is that what your direction you're going right now? Well, that's we're just giving an update on something that we've been talking okay. about for quite a while. But it, and we'll get to that later when we get to talk about insurance for builders. Yes. But we wanted to start off just talking about the whole um, change in valuation of houses and how some people may be exposed um, uh, to liability because of that, because of the the difference between what their previous insurance was showing and what the current valuation of the house is for replacement costs. Well, this and, or, and, and Lou, going to your point, I'm sorry, okay. um, going to your point earlier, like people should turn off the radio or want to turn off the radio when they hear insurance, they may say that today, but should they have an issue later, yeah. they're going to wish they had listened. And so these are really important because, as Chris was mentioning, these are inflationary times. Everything is going up in cost. And you may be sitting there paying your regular premium, having the same amount of coverage, and think everything is fine. Until an event happens, and then what you're what you're trying to do af- after that, you're going to have to sit across the table from someone like yourself, Lou, and finding out, hey, that four hundred thousand dollar home is going to cost now seven hundred thousand dollars to replace. You know, have you had any of those discussions with your your clients as of yet, Lou? 
We have. Uh, we every every renewal, we try to talk to somebody about that. And let me break down how a homeowner's policy works. And this be this is broad brush, okay? Sure. Okay. The property section is broken into four sections: A, B, C, and D. A is a dwelling, and then everything below that related private structures. That would be a detached garage, personal property. That would be C. Additional living expense. That all keys off what the building value is. So if your building value is down, everything else below that becomes diminished. Mm. Let me give you some real numbers. This is actually a homeowner's policy. Sure. A $516,441 coverage on a home. As a 2,400-square-foot home, it's about $215 a square foot. My recommendation would be talk to a builder, talk to someone you trust in the trades that can tell you if that's an adequate number, inadequate, or where it is. Sure. That's the replacement cost, you mean? Correct. Right, right, right. Correct, correct. Of that 516,000 appurtenant structures uh, would be 51,000. Okay. Uh, personal property would be 361000 and change. Okay. And loss of use for being able to go someplace else to live while you're rebuilding is 103000 Okay. That totals $1,032,882. Wow. And that costs $1,028 for the year. Okay. And when you break it down to a per, per $100 of value, mm-hmm. that's $0.10 cents per 100 Pretty cheap. Yeah, sure, definitely. Absolutely. So you could increase your value on your home by $50,000 and it would cost you $50. Right. You annually so to, to ensure that, that, yeah. But I wanted to put that in perspective. Sure. So when we talk about what's the value, and that's a very large moving target right now. Yeah. Yeah, and we've been seeing quite a lot of uh, crazy numbers uh, on real estate Uh uh, things that were that that you could not imagine. Uh, I heard a story. Uh, I think I, I recanted it here um, about a, a house that was selling for five hundred thousand dollars and within a week sold for over six hundred thousand dollars just because of the, the the population pressure and the inflation that we're yep. seeing right now. Yeah, definitely. And and Lou, when when you have somebody coming in. Um, and, and needs to review their policy. Uh, you know, what what guidance are you giving them in this time? You know, with with everything, without them coming to you asking for this, what do you usually do with them? And what would you recommend to our listeners that they should be asking their agent? They should go to their agent first, review their policy. And unfortunately, the insurance industry sometimes is its own worst enemy. Okay. Because all you see on television is, you know, you can save four hundred dollars here, you can save six hundred dollars there. Um, I don't know if anybody's ever stopped the screen and looked at the small print. <laughs> you can't. <laughs> yeah, well, you can You can stop it and look at it. Uh, one that, that touts saving $400, $600, the small print says the insured is responsible for their limits. Yeah, okay. which means they have to and, call you and say, right. what and, am I and, insuring this for? Right. And fortunately... Most people don't even know how to go about that. So it's an educational process. Yeah, certainly. And shows like what you folks are doing right now is a great way to get the word out. To look at this, it's not a foreign language. You you pay an agent to help you through this. Certainly. And, and you know, you have to have a contractor or maybe the agent has a contractor he works with. Yep. They can give 
real-world numbers to say, yeah, I'm adequately insured or no, I'm not. So if your home went up in value, let's say $100,000, and you're going to be paying an extra $100 a year for that additional coverage, if going off what you were saying earlier, um, mm-hmm. and you get to the other side of that and there is a huge claim and you say that was the – <laughs> worst hundred dollars I didn't spend. Right, you right. Know, if you didn't get the coverage, exactly. Um, right now, uh, I'm going to ask you to hold on. We've got uh, George in Waterbury. George, welcome to the show. And how can we help you? Yeah. What is the um, required R factor for insulation in the ceiling now on the sidewalls in the state of Vermont? Okay, so uh, the residential building energy standard uh, for uh, major renovations uh, and new construction is an R49 in the roof and an okay. R uh, something that there are – there are four options, options yeah. in, in the prescriptive table, but it's about an R25 in the in the side walls and R15 in below grade walls and slabs. All right, cool. Thank you. Oh, you're, you're very, very welcome. welcome. But uh, also, we have another call from Vic in Middlesex. Vic, go ahead, and how can we help you today? Hey, I just had to chuckle, and I had to call. I had no intention to call. I very seldom have ever listened to this program because. Well, I just don't. But anyways, uh, I found it quite humorous. Uh, I think the governor did the right thing by not signing this. Uh, we don't really need it. Uh, maybe these people coming in from out of state and stuff, uh, the progressives in Burlington, they do. But uh, that gentleman said, hey, I get my haircut. I'm licensed. And, uh, you know, for a $34 uh, haircut, and uh, I just had to chuckle because uh, here in Montpelier, you can get your hair cut for $18, and she does a wonderful job. There's two or three of them, and this is exactly what's going to happen. This is exactly why the the uh, governor uh, vetoed that bill is because all it's going to do is drive up costs uh, for no reason other than to drive up costs. Well, we we thank you for the call, and I'll answer. Uh, basically, when people think that it's going to drive up costs, they're not looking at the bigger picture because the thing is, this is such a light-touch regulation. When you're talking about maybe spending as a company $75 a year for the registration, as an independent operator, about $35 a year, and then you're going to have to have insurance. And, and you know, granted, unlike a haircut, you know, if somebody – you know, did not have the proper insurance and did something catastrophic to your home and was not covered. And it could, these repairs can just go start at the, you know, thousands of dollars, go up into hundreds of thousands of dollars to correct these. Who's going to pay for that? Your homeowner's insurance, Lou, correct me if I'm wrong. If a contractor does something to your house and doesn't um, have the insurance, who, who's going to be there to, to step in and help? Is it, is, is the, their homeowner's insurance, insurance company going to say, oh, uh, Sorry, we'll pay you. We'll pay out on this policy. Hello. Yeah, Lou, Lou are you still there? Hello. Hello. We make the policy holder whole, and then go after the contractor. What was uh, that so, again? Yeah, we, yeah, if you could say that again, there was a little bit of technical difficulties here. Okay. What would happen? The homeowner's policy would protect the homeowner. They would pay for the home. Yes. But then, the contractor or whoever he is would be responsible to the insurance company to pay the insurance company back. Definitely. So then that means if that person is a sole proprietor um, and they're just doing this on the fly and they don't have the insurance, yes, the homeowner's policy will pay, as you say, but then that's going to leave that home uh, that uh, 
contractor exposed and his assets exposed, like his house and his cars and everything else, correct? Correct. Correct. Yeah, definitely. And then with that, once that homeowner's policy pays for that, what does that do for their rating as the individual? You know, once you have a huge claim like that, how does that set them off going further down the road? As long as it's not there, it, it could have an effect on, on their future ability to, to not to buy insurance, but what they'll pay for insurance. Yep. And the, if the company can recoup its money from the individual, it won't have that much of an effect. But if they can't, that still hangs out there that they paid XYZ homeowner $200,000, for the home. Yep. And, and I, I just want to – yeah, I just want to jump in and, and just say, uh, Vic, first of all, thank you very much for calling. We appreciate your, your – right. Yeah. Am I still on the line? Yes, you are. Okay. That's not what I – that's not what I intended for this to mean. You turned it around and said – Oh, the, the contract, I'm not talking about the contract. All it's going to do is raise up the cost to someone that wants to build a house. Uh, can, you, can, you, can you describe to me, Vic, the, the mechanism by which you think this increases the price of a house? I'm sorry, you broke up. I could not yeah, yeah. What, can you describe to me the mechanism that you think this registry will cause the increase of the price of a house? Oh, I think the sky will be the limit on what you can charge, uh, you know, people can charge to do stuff. Uh, How, but no, no, that, that's, that's happening right now. I can charge whatever I want for a house and a person could decide not to pay it because it's a ridiculous price. My question to you is, how does the registry, uh, a $75 charge per year for a company to operate that requires them to have insurance and to use a contract for per project over $3,500, specifically, how does that increase the price of a house? Well, if your prices increase, you charge more. No, sir. I'm asking you how a person paying $100 a year to be on a registry is going to force mm-hmm. the increase in the price of a house. I can I understand increases in the price of lumber doing that. I can understand the, the increase in the prices of labor doing that. I can also understand people who want to build a house asking more than the market may bear. Mike, what you're saying that the governor was right to veto this because it would cause an increase in the price of houses. I'm asking you to tell me how. Merely by giving uh, a... A builder is just because you license somebody doesn't mean that they're not hiring people that are not uh, uh, adequate builders or that they're you know outstanding builders. Uh, I, I don't think you understand. Can, First of all, this is not a licensure. This is a registry. This is almost just asking you to be on a list. What, what's uh, next? So, What's so that's that? the slippery slope argument, and I get that. And one of the reasons yeah. that this legislation was written this way was to appease people's worries about a slippery slope. Okay, and I got to say, the Home Builders and Remodelers Association of Vermont has got a lot of people all across the broad spectrum. Most of us are very conservative politically, and we are for this bill because these there are fly-by-night builders who walk in. They underbid a, a, a builder who would build a good house according to the state law, which is the Residential Building Energy Standard, or better, 
and they get undercut by someone who may take a deposit and disappear and come back and uh, a, a month later and do that again and again. Or build something that's not going to last, be durable, and within the first year start to become a mold factory, start to deteriorate. Chris and I see this all the time. This is what this show is about, is that we go into thousands of homes of Vermonters and we see where these deficits are, happen, where these where, where people's houses are affected, and then their pocketbook is affected, and sometimes their health and safety is affected. So having a registry where we could disseminate proper educational opportunities to the builders to learn beyond just swinging the hammer of how proper building science works, not just stuffing insulation into a cavity and calling it good, but understanding vapor drive, things like that, and getting those resources in their hands. Hey, listen, during this COVID situation, sir, when you when every builder was trying to find out how can I work, when can I work, when can I get back to the work, and you know what what are my limitations, what policies do I have to f- follow and everything else, and how can I get assistance financially to keep my business open during this time? I had so many calls from builders trying to find out that information, but there were so many more builders that were going out of business in the state because they didn't know where to find those resources. So knowing who the contractors are in the state by being on a master list, a registry, is one way we can help disseminate that information and get them what they need to be able to stay in business during tumultuous times, but also to elevate their game, what they provide to their clients with better education on building science and other changes in, in you know some of the materials that are out there so that they don't incorrectly build an assembly that's not going to last. And how much more expensive is it to a Vermonter when they have somebody build something that fails that they then have to go ahead and uh, replace? That's a huge expense. And we hear that. What we're seeing on the front end is saying, oh, it's going to make it more expensive to build new. How much more expensive is it to replace? And, and, to and I'm sorry, but I don't see how this would cause a raise in prices. Also, exactly. I, I'm sorry, Vic. I don't mean to, to uh, challenge you. But uh, I think you completely misrepresented this by saying this was out-of-state progressives. I'm sorry, but the Home Builders and Remodelers Association represents uh, 200 professionals who are Vermonters. We're not from out-of-state. Uh, the Leach, Leach Construction, they grew up here in Vermont. Exactly. Right? We got, we got, uh, Sterling, uh, Construction, Sterling the, homes. the, the yeah. homes. They're, they're Vermonters. Chris Snyder, very faint, well-known, uh, Builder. developer. Yeah. He's also Vermonter. So I think that, that you're, you're throwing around what we call hyperbole. You're, you're, you're throwing out some very big catchwords that don't track with what we see in reality. In order to get people upset, and I'm sorry that it's not going to work on the show. We know better. Because it can save Vermonters from some of these insurance claims on the other side if the builder is doing things correctly up front. And so, Lou, with that. Yeah, thank you. Thank you, first of all, Rick, yes. Vic, for bringing that point up so that we could refute the, the not very well thought out arguments that you threw at us. And now we can get back to the show. But, Lou, with that, you know, to that argument about the fact of, you know, driving up cost, when it comes to the individual contractor, if they needed to have liability insurance, first, what do you recommend for their business to protect them and to protect the homeowner and what levels and how much would that realistically cost each year? Well, real real case example, a million-dollar occurrence limit with a $2 million aggregate limit, which means you can get sued twice in a year or a million dollars each. Yep. Is four hundred and this is an actual policy I'm looking at. It's four hundred and fifty dollars for the year. Minimal. And if you spread that yeah, out that's yep, yeah, that's it. Yeah. yeah. And that's that's general liability insurance, that's right? Liability. What does that cover? That correct covers you know, that's 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 
let me let me get on my rant a little bit. Okay, okay. please. People that, that say fully insured. I have never been able to sell fully insured in my career. <laughs> okay? All insurance policies have exclusions. To get it down to bare basics, what this, what a general liability policy does, it protects the contractor or whoever has the policy if they create, if they do bodily injury or property damage. Okay. Bodily injury, if I'm at a job site and I drop a hammer on somebody's head, that's bodily injury. Right. Property damage, if I'm an electrician on a job site and I do something, short something out, and it burns the house down, that's property damage. That's what is covered under general liability. There's other things, too, but I'm not going to get into the weeds sure. on it. But basically, but so, it's covering that contractor's assets. So if, in your opinion, if, if I were to start a company tomorrow and I was going to go out and start building houses, I would need at a minimum, this type of general liability insurance. Correct. Okay. But is that required by state, Lou? You know, is it required by state, or is that just no, a recommendation? Not. It is not. Yeah, exactly. But let me take this another step further. Please. Because contractors out there, if they're not willing to, it, it's bad enough for, for contractors who have insurance, because the state of Vermont is one of the four states in the country that does not have a statute of repose. Oh, oh you're letting the cat out of the bag, Lou. I know I am, but I want to let these. I want to let people know, contractors know, yes, that what they do, they own for their life. I actually, I talk to contractors. What's your what's your warranty on your house? Oh, three years, five years. No, it is for your lifetime, and then more. For the least, for for the company. Sorry, go ahead, Lou. I didn't mean to cut you. At least with general liability policy, you have some coverage for for construction defects. And construction defects in my industry are a big taboo. They are they cost insurance companies thousands and millions of dollars a year across the country. And, and so, with the statute of repose, you were you were going to say basically that you may have your own warranty, but what does that mean to the typical Vermonter and, and contractor? The statute of repose means you own what you build forever. And that means you have a lifetime warranty whether you realize that's it or not. That's correct. Wow. That is correct. I just learned something. Yeah, and that means if you, even if the entity itself is not owned by the original owner and it's sold and it goes to the next person, they own that responsibility from what I understand, Lou. Correct. Correct. I think that is a, uh, a mic drop moment, right? <laughs> that, that, is, yeah. that is a piece of information I've never heard and just didn't know. Yes. It, it's one of the four states in the country, it, which kind of intriguing. The legislature did, I don't know how long ago this went into effect, but to a duplex or a multifamily, there is a statute of repose. Understood. It's not on single-family homes. Okay. But so at least, you know, again, going back to not being fully insured or not, you know, or, or fully insured but not really, there's things you can insure for through an insurance company. And there's other risk techniques that you imply, contracts, you know, having certification, certification in what you do just brings the level up. And it really kind of intrigues me a little bit about the governor. I, I, the governor, I think, is a great, great individual. He's sure. done Agreed. for the state. Agreed. But, but I think he has been fed some information by a small minority that has influenced this. 
And it's a shame because the contractors need all the help they can. Yes. And there is a registry in place right now. You can go to the Department of Labor website and type in, does my employer have workers' comp? Okay. Oh, yeah. And it'll come up and show whether that organization has workers' comp for its employees. Sure. And that doesn't matter what industry they're in, yeah. I'm sorry, again, say that again? Uh, that doesn't matter what industry they're in. No, it does not. Yeah. It does not. Okay. It does not. Uh, say, Lou, uh, we want to ask you to hang on for just one minute. And we have a, a caller, Jim and Barry. We're going to get to you after the break. We first have to go to the break. Uh, so please hang on. We'll be right back. Welcome back to House Calls Vermont. We're having an interesting discussion today uh, about the contractor registry, but also insurance requirements. We have Lou Castle from Page and Campbell Insurance with us on the line. Um, I'm also here with my uh, colleague and, and great friend, Chris West. Um, we're going to go to our phones right now, though. We've got Jim and Barry with a call. Jim, how can we help you today? Hi. Good afternoon. I just kind of turned on, so I may have not heard everything that was said, but uh, I wanted to just first add that, Workers' comp is already a requirement, so there's there's no benefit to adding workers' comp to that. It already exists. But the comment about it being out-of-state ideas kind of caught my attention. You folks may all be native Vermonters, which I happen to not be one, but I've been here 35 years. But um, you kind of fall into another group, which I've seen numerous times, and that is a a business uh, that... Or, or an industry that already has established players, and they want to let go to licensing. I saw this with the real estate appraisers. Um, it, it always ends up being a barrier to new entries. And whether you believe that or, or agree with it or disagree with it, um, there's an element of truth to it always. That once you put a licensing requirement on on a particular profession, I know a friend of mine that does nails. Um, it's done it for years can't do it in Vermont because of the license and, and the process is not not of interest to her to go through it to bother getting it. But the, the other point I wanted to make was with the out-of-state ideas, it, it immediately reminded me of a discussion I had with my, my sister and brother-in-law 30 years ago. And they were talking about the need to have license, license uh, for heavy equipment operators. And I said, you know, it just doesn't belong in a place like Vermont. A, a farmer has a bulldozer. He wants to move his neighbor's manure pile. He shouldn't have to get a, a, a license to, to do that. That's just not the way the rural America works. And their, their comment was, well, we had this guy downtown who was licensed and he dug up all these telephone lines. So what good did the license do? He still dug up the telephone lines. There's extremes to both ends of this. One of the things I, I do want to say is that if there's a value to what you're proposing or what the, the statues, uh, the bill is proposing, it, the threshold has got to be much higher. I've no, these, are, these are economic difficult times for a lot of people, and I've known people to go pick up a hammer and a saw numerous times in their life just to put food on the table again. And if they have to go through a licensing process or a registry on insurance or whatever, it's not going to happen. I grew up on Cape Cod. It was not like it is today. There's been amazing growth down there but when i was down there i saw on a regular basis kids working for a framing contractor and then the next week the the builder would come to them and say i need more framing contractors and all of a sudden the kid who was just a hammer and a framing contractor 
or a framer becomes a framing contractor. Now, you may not agree with that evolution, but that's the way it happened most of the time. I remember this kid bought a $300 bulldozer because no one could find anyone to dig a cellar hole, and he started a cellar hole, and he went on to be one of the biggest contractors on Cape Cod. So if you say it's not a barrier to new entrants, I, I have to disagree with you. But anyway, I enjoy your show for the most part. Um, sometimes I do think you think building is a Ph.D. discipline. It really isn't. But um, there are technologies that are getting, you know, more and more complex that require more and more education. But to hire a neighbor to build a fence for you or to build a deck, I, I don't think it's as complicated as you, you make it out to be. Well, we really appreciate it. Yeah, thank you, Jim. And, and we'll, we'll, we'll uh, thank you very much for calling, and we'll talk about this while uh, after you're off the air. So um, uh when we're talking about this particular legislation, and we're glad that this is a, that we're talking about this, and people are excited about it, um, this is not a, a licensure. It's light touch, and it's not the oh camel's nose under the tent. It, this is basically once again, I will say, we have been in thousands of Vermonters' homes, and we have seen so many stories and issues where things go completely wrong. Yep. Not necessarily just because somebody did the bad thing on purpose, like they were a hack contractor or something like that. It's because they didn't have the proper knowledge. This is a way to be able to know who all the contractors are in Vermont, make sure we can disseminate the correct information to them, educational opportunities, so that they can do their job better. Because there is no requirement for continuing education in Vermont, unless you're Efficiency Vermont EEN contractor. And then you're required to have continuing education. But to just go ahead and build that, and to say that you know a house is not important, or to equate that into getting your nails it's, done. It's not difficult to build a house in Vermont. Well, i got to tell you, you can build a house in Vermont, and have the people live in there, build it wrong, have it full of mold, and have those people get sick. Yes, you can do that. Yes. Should you be allowed to? No, you should not be allowed to. And you can avoid that from happening by understanding things better. Yep. And this does lead me to another thought here, Lou, is the fact that, you know, people say this is going to be so expensive and onerous and put people, you know, keep entry level from coming in. We are still one of the easiest states to get into business. And like we said, you're talking about for the individual 32 to $35 a year to register if they're a single operator. Okay. Then they have to have insurance, which Lou just, you just said is like $400 a year. Bucks a month. Yeah, if right. This is going Going to be your profession. My gosh, you're going to spend $450 on a printer if you if you do a contract. That yeah, is, yeah. you're going to spend something like that on a computer and more. If you can't do the proper thing to protect yourself right. and others that you're going to be working for, then why are you in the business in the first if place? If you have to pick up a hammer to feed your family and you don't know what you're doing, you should go work at McDonald's. I'm sorry, but building a house is a profession, and we need to protect the people who are buying that. One of the things that, that uh, we heard from the attorney general of the state is that in the past two years, over $2 million worth of claims have been made against nefarious. Reported claims. Right, against nefarious builders. Right. This is not nothing. Over the past 10 years, it's been more than five million dollars. So this is not a little bit of money. And these homeowners are standing holding the bag on this, even when they had the opportunity to find the person and put the person in jail. As soon as they get out of jail, they can go right back to it because they cannot be removed from a non-existent registry. And so with that, Lou, as I was going, is the fact that, you know, in Vermont, we want to say that we have a handshake agreement, and that's great, and that should be sufficient. Then I, I tell people, you know, there are 
millions of marriages started off with a similar gesture, a kiss, that ended up going horribly bad and and then became very expensive. So even with the best of intentions, shaking the hand, saying things are going to be great, things can go wrong and people could be left exposed. So with that, Lou, in your situation, I mean, what would you say to somebody like that that says, hey, have somebody work on my house and I don't care if they have insurance? Well, in in helping them work on the homeowner help work also? No, no. Saying your neighbor comes over and says, I want to build a deck for you. I, you know, I'd be very leery. As you said, best intentions sometimes wind up in a trash bin. No, I'd rather, if I'm spending some money and I'm having somebody do work for me, I want to make sure that they, one, know what they're doing. And two, if something toward goes wrong, they're covered. Take care of me if that happens. Yes. And, and, and it's very, very inexpensive to do that. Exactly. And I think it's unconscionable in many ways for people to go out and hold themselves out as an expert or I know what I'm doing and not even have the conscience to make sure if something bad goes wrong, not intentionally, but even as an accident. Yeah, and one of the questions that I have is if you have your neighbor come over and build a deck for you and it goes wrong, you're living next to that person forever, <laughs> right? <laughs> it's not like you're going to have a good relationship with that person if they stiffed you or did bad work, right? <laughs> Correct. Yeah. Uh, we've got a, a number of, it's a very, very calls, uh, uh, heavy uh, show today. Uh, Brad in Newbury. Brad, what can we do for you today? Well, good afternoon. Can you hear me? Yes, we can. Thank 100%. you. Okay, I'm on one of these sort of car phones. Uh, first time I've ever heard of your program, and I've never heard of the contractor's registry. Unfortunately, I've been listening to you for about 45 minutes. I first picked you up in the mountains of New Hampshire where there was great radio signal, but no cell phone signals. So I <laughs> okay. pull over and give okay. you a call. Sure. Um, uh, but I'm kind of big into building science, so I'm really glad I discovered you. Um, I think I have a, con- uh, a comment and a question. Sure. The comment, which sure. goes back two calls to the person who was thinking that uh, Governor Scott did the right thing, in that hypothetical where the contractor did a bad job, it caused damage, the uh, insurance company backed the homeowner, which I was glad to hear, but then the insurance company has to go after that fly-by-night contractor. Yep, yes. It's entirely likely that that contractor isn't going to be able to come up with the two or $300,000 worth of damage. And so the end, the, the end game there is that that makes insurance more expensive for everyone. For everyone. Because the insurance companies are not going to eat those losses every day of the week. So I just think it's reasonable to throw that in the the discussion about how that would play out and what it does to the finances. Thanks for that point, Brad. That's that's very cogent. And And your other question? Well, Lou was going to add something. Oh, sorry, Lou. Lou, what were you going to add there? I was going to make a comment. Uh, Insurance is law law of large numbers. If more people are insured, the premiums go down. Sure. So, you know, you have people running around without insurance that are causing damage that ultimately wind up being paid for by an insurance company. Yep. They're going, as, as Brad said, they're going to recoup those losses overall. So. Yep. Yep. So somebody's got to pay the bills. Yeah. So the, the question, yeah, the question was, um, could the registry be used as a vehicle for uh, collective bargaining group, uh, getting the contractors group rates. So me as an independent contractor, instead of me going out against the world of insurers and, and negotiating a rate for my business, maybe there's 110 of us that like 
company A and 37 of us that like company B and, and 74 that like company C and, and that everybody could end up getting a better negotiated insurance rate for the required contractor's insurance. Funny you should mention that. Lou, I think you might have something to say about this. I think I have something to say. <laughs> People belong to the Vermont Home Builders and Remodelers Association. Um, we are, right now I am working with a carrier that will probably be coming online here momentarily that specializes in contractors. And that's one of the directions that we're trying to do, what we're trying to do. And, it, it, it again, law of large numbers, if you have people belonging to this, it, it makes it much more affordable for everyone. Yep. So more to, more to follow on that front. Great. Great. Very good questions and, and, and great comment there, Brett. Thank you so much. Uh, and We have another call from Mark in Roxbury. Mark, thank you for your, uh, being a part of the show, and how can we help you today? Uh, just want to make a comment in the current situation of conversation. Uh, two, two examples that just happened re- recently. Went to one residence that was, uh, they lost power to their outside outlets. Sure. And, and I know the place. It's a double wide. And double wides are wired so there's an outlet and a joist for when they set them on a pad to, yeah. for, uh, uh, for power tools when uh, they're doing the work outside. No, no, this is in the joists. So when they're set on pad, it's for a uh, thermal heat wire for the water line. Oh, oh yeah, sure, yeah, yeah. Sure. Okay. Okay, so this particular one was uh, full basement. So they finished the basement off and put a ceiling in, and uh carpenter just took the GFIL out and just... Uh, no, just connected everything together and buried the box and ceiling. So a little while, month month went by and the outlets don't work. So they finished the uh, ceiling, painted it, and of course I didn't know these people. And they called me. She goes, she goes, I can't figure. We can't figure this out. So I tested everything, and they had power right uh, right up to that that one spot. And I said, you know, where'd that GFI go? Yep. Well, they took it out and they buried it. I was like, well, the, the electrical code is you can't bury a jun- junction box. Exactly. And so I was like, you want to take the ceiling down? You want me to punch a hole in it? Because that's where the problem is. Turned out to be on the neutral side in that splice, it was loose. Ah, yeah. <laughs> so there's one example. The second example is it happened during this last cold snap. Uh, furnace went out. And... Uh, and I, I went there. There was no power to the furnace. There was power to the emergency switch, power leaving the uh, emergency switch, which goes to a firematic plug, which right. goes in to the furnace. So what they did is they boxed it, same, same idea, because I have a lot, a lot of horror stories going behind people. Sure. Uh, they, they boxed in that ceiling like a little square, and that firematic was on a floor, floor joist right there. And what it did is it created heat. And those melt at 160. Yep. And pop that plug out and cut the power to it. I was like, there again, you want to take the ceiling down? You want me to punch a hole in it? Right. And that, and that's a quick fix. You just put a plug in it. But you've got people out there and this is a lot, and this is quite common with people who do moonlighting work. Yes. And, uh, just get in there, get, get the job, get the job done fast and do whatever the homeowner tells them when the homeowner don't even know. Exactly. And, um, uh, and, 
and I think you, I, I, I think you folks are right on the right path. Path in uh, as for registry, it's. Uh, uh, I think people are taking a lot of offense to it, and like what you're saying with numbers, that's a small price to pay. And I've seen a lot of homeowners getting burned, uh, like when they want their house painted, they pay down deposit, they don't show. Yep. Um, so, exactly. so yeah, there's there's just people out there. They're they're handyman of all trades, but these are two two examples of yep. uh, that you're not supposed to bury that stuff. Up. Exactly, they do what the homeowner tells them because they're paying probably X amount of dollars an hour. Well, I don't care. It's not my house. I'll I'll do what they tell me. Well, guess what? They call me. That's right. Well, I, I got to say, Mark. First of all, thank you for being the person who walks in and does it right, because there are too many people who would go in and do it wrong again. Yes. <laughs> so thank you for being that that guy, be, being the the backstop to a system where we just have a free for all. So I really appreciate that. I appreciate your words on the contract registry, and um, and thank you for for listening and being a a, a good and involved listener. Yeah, definitely. And, okay, you. you 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 boys keep up the good work. Thank you. Well, thank you. And and with that, Lou, if you could stay, this is a popular show today. Yeah, and we, we've been given permission to run over. So, so if you, if you just can stay with on. us, I'm, uh, I'm here. Yeah, okay. we've got Jim in Middlebury. Jim, how can we help you? Oh yes, sir. Um, I'm just kind of passing through this in your station. I've been a contractor for about 30 years, um, building mostly 8,000 to 12,000 square foot homes in the mountains of Colorado. Sure. Um, and when I, when I hear what you guys are saying, there's there's a couple of trains of thought here. Um, one, if if you if you're hiring a neighbor and he gets hurt on your property, well, you're liable as as a homeowner to take care of this. You know, it's it's the homeowner's responsibility to make sure the people doing work are properly insured. Um, it's the homeowner's responsibility to do due diligence on the research on what they're doing. And if you're doing it kind of on the gray or shady side of things, then it, it's how is the person performing the work being held responsible as well as we have international building code books. They're readily available. Go to Amazon, boom, that's your door in two days, you know. Um, so I, I understand this. I, I agree with the licensing, but then there's the other side of the thing that guys are trying to make a living as that other person had kind of pointed out you know guys just trying to provide for his family so it goes both ways right you know you 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 want to do the right thing as a builder but then what happens to the people are just trying to make a living or the homeowner trying to cut the corners well that's their own fault you know, um, we also have inspectors who are supposed to be doing their due diligence. Oh, you're in Vermont. You're, you're in the wrong state, yeah, man. Vermont. We have no inspections at all. Well, we have oh, very little. Gosh, very little. Oh, yeah. We, On the yeah. residential side, Burlington, we have, yeah. Montpelier, and a few other things have uh, places like Colchester. They'll have permitting requirements, and they'll come out and they'll do a look. But it's really not the whole process, like from framing. After the excavation was done, the slab was put in, or the uh, the basement was put in. Then you go to framing inspections, yep. and like you would see in other states, they don't have that. And, this is, and we're not looking for licensure. We really no. just want a list of people who are in the industry in the state, period. And we don't even have that. During COVID, at the beginning of COVID, the State Department of Labor called the Home Builders and Remodelers Association of Vermont to ask us if we could give them a list of builders. I mean, that's that's how completely unregulated it is. We don't want regulation. We just want to know who's operating in the state as a builder to make sure that if they're doing a minimum amount of work, that $3,500 or more, that they're using a contract to protect both parties and that they're insured. That's it. 
Yep. Well, I mean, that's yeah. I, I totally back you on that. I mean, there's the guys trying to do their neighbor a favor, but you know, I, I and I walked in on the show. I've done my situation is very similar to the man we just talked to. I was just driving through the mountains. I was like, wow, this is good. Um, <laughs> thanks for your show. You know, yeah, um, and so I, I, I lack education in the area and what you have for your jurisdictional regulatory systems and such. So, um, but I mean, as, like I said, as as a homeowner, they they're liable if they don't. Uh, they're kind of unprotected. If they just hire Joe Schmo to do work and they don't have insurance, you got to kind of do your due diligence on the people you're hiring. So who's at fault? The guy for making the mistake or the guy for hiring the person to make the mistake? You know, it's it's a kind of a double-edged sword as far as I'm I don't think that's a double-edged sword. I think that the person who's out there um, who's doing the job, putting themselves out as a professional, has due diligence that they have to do. Absolutely. Does the homeowner have due diligence? Yes. Do most home, homeowners know what they need to do for their due diligence? Absolutely not. So that, Jim, thank you for calling. We're going to go to Lou here real quick because that basically spurs on this question. Um, you know, I've been in situations where I, we have found damage and then people ask us, Lou, okay, I knew this contractor had insurance. I thought he did, but they never asked for the certificate of insurance. So what is an easy ask up front, even though the state may not require it, you as the homeowner have every right to ask to see what insurance they carry. And that could be part of your decision-making process. That's a much easier conversation to have in the beginning than after everything goes wrong or the contractor leaves a job site and you say, oh, how can I find that that, that where they were insured or, or if they were insured and how do I get a certificate of insurance? So, Lou, if I was a homeowner and I was going to get somebody to do the work and they said they were insured through What's Page and Campbell. What's my due diligence list? Yeah, yeah. What, what would you recommend? My recommendation would be in the initial conversation when they're talking about the job and the homeowner decides he wants to go with that contractor, ask the contractor for a certificate of insurance. And even naming the homeowner is additional insured on that mm-hmm. policy. Yep. Uh, it's much easier to do that bef- because once you pay that contractor, there's really not much incentive for him to provide you <laughs> a certificate of insurance at that point in time. Yep, exactly. Um, we are going to go to another call. Uh, we have Kate in Marshfield. Um, Kate, how can we help you today? Well, probably you're not going to hear me. This is a terrible connection. We can yeah. hear you just fine. Uh, go right ahead. It seems you're talking two different things. The registry, I think, is probably a good idea, but only if it's voluntary. And then make sure that you educate people, you know, make it known around the state like they do for car, for car repair. Um, you know, I was a NASA certified mechanic. You don't have to be a certified mechanic. The companies that hire them advertise that. You know. Well, that, that's an interesting point because we actually, uh, Ward Smith, some, one of the members of the Home Builders Remodel Association. like this quality oh. of home being realistic. Oh. Yeah, I'm sorry, Kate. You you are having some technical problems. We're just going to take your first point and thank you very much for the call. Um, if you want to, uh, d- you know, pursue this further, you can send us an email to housecallsvt at gmail dot com. Uh, but to that point, um, the registry as it now sits is actually an evolution of a private registry that the home builders tried to set up in 2007. Um, of course, we had the financial crisis after that, which caused um, a, a a complete crash of the housing market. And there was little interest in it. But um, uh, there's been a lot of discussion about whether we should make the registry um, voluntary. voluntary. And yep. the reason that we have heard that it shouldn't be is because the majority of people who are making complaints um, are making complaints 
for a certain uh, for builders, and a lot of them are elderly. Right, the people who are being taken advantage of, they put them in age classes, and the majority of the people who are really being taken advantage of are elderly people. And so, if if we're going to say, let's make sure that the the unscrupulous people are getting onto this registry, I don't see how that works. The only way that it works is if we make everyone who's going to be involved in this industry be on the registry so that on this light touch registry there's almost nothing to this exactly. we really don't get why people get so upset about this uh, we get that people get upset and we get that people don't want regulation and we don't want big big uh, government either what we want is common sense legislation that will keep the 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 poor the elderly and the uninformed safe from nefarious players so so Lou, let, let's just be honest here how many times have you sat across from people who had a claim of some sort, possibly in this regard, what we're talking about in the building industry, and then they come to find out they didn't have the insurance. So in the same thing, if, if the registry isn't there and you know, and, and people um, went after a contractor that they didn't know if they were in good standing, they didn't know if they were reputable, they didn't know if they had insurance, and then there was the claim, that buyer's remorse is a painful sting. It's a very bitter pill to swallow because then they say, okay, now where do I go? So some of these people have called in and other people I've talked to around the state, if this happened to them and they saw what we saw or experienced what we've experienced time and time again for other people where their building has failed, someone is sick in their house because of mold issues, um, or you know a, a host of reasons. If they were those people that were affected, they would say, "I wish we would have done this. I wish we would have had checked for insurance. I wish we would have had this as part of our policy." I'm sure you've had that discussion at least once, Lou. We have. And on a homeowner's policy, some will provide ten thousand dollars, maybe up to fifteen thousand dollars for mold. Sure. But that doesn't go along, doesn't go very far if you have to tear out walls, insulation. Oh, exactly. Yeah, $15,000 is up in a, in a heartbeat in that, yeah. Exactly, exactly. So there is some coverage there, but it's, it's, it's minimal. Because just of the reasons why we're talking about it, there's a lot of things that go wrong. And if the people aren't doing their due diligence in building, that's the outcome. And so the insurance companies are going to limit their exposure as much as they possibly can. Yeah, sure. Yep. Well, we have another call from Rich in Starksboro. Rich, welcome to the show, and how can we help you today? Hi. Um, well, I, I, uh, I've told you in the past, maybe like a year and a half ago, that, that uh, Joel doesn't mind if you go over. <laughs> and and Thanks, I also, uh, also want to just say, if you ever get into uh, your show where, you're, where people are having this level of calling when they want to, Get some advice on DIY, which is part of your your slogans and so forth. And you're in the mood, and you want to utilize your disclaimer at the beginning that, that whatever you say, you have no, you don't want to, you know, don't have to stand by or whatever, you know, whatever the legal. You, you got to find a licensed contractor in Vermont. <laughs> you, you caught that one, Rich. That has been one that we have joked about right. because I hope I hope you'll actually tell us how to do things. You know, rather than say, go get a licensed contractor. So <laughs> DIY. Well, okay? find a licensed contractor in the state of Vermont who's into residential building, and I will give you. Oh, well, they're from a, another state. If oh, they're licensed yeah, in Vermont, they're from they a, were licensed <laughs> in another state, and they've migrated. Thank you so much, Rich, for that that bit of levity. We appreciate it. Uh, we also have Joe in Northfield. Joe, how can we help you? How are you guys doing today? We're doing well, Good thanks. Doing well, how are you? I just heard your program, and I kind of wanted to chime in. Sure, um, sure. I've been around, around around the excavate business and building business in general 
well, for most of my life, I'm 47 years old. Sure. Um, the problem I see, this, this could be a good thing, but I also see this could be a very bad thing. Let me explain why. They used to have, years ago, what they called the clerk of the works. Somebody that was on these job sites, and they would, um, they kind of know a little bit about everything, a little bit about excavating, a little bit about electrical, a little bit about plumbing, and, you know, it was their job to make sure that everything was done the way it was supposed to be done, and they made their money. They took a certain percentage of whatever the job was, and that's how they made their money for doing sure. their job. Yep. So I think that would be a good idea. And I have somebody there that's on the job sites that knows how things are supposed to be done. That way, if something goes bad or not put in correctly, they can say, hey, um, that's not done right. We need to do this a different way or whatnot. <clears throat> because there are most of your contractors around this area are fairly decent contractors because they're mostly single guys sure. and, and, and women, but people in general that are just out making a living, and they're not going to screw a lot of stuff up because that's their bread and butter. That's how they make how they feed their families. So they're going to do a good job. It, there's a few of them far between that are not, but most of you general, in general, your contractors and stuff are fairly decent and fairly honest. They're going to do a good job. And Joe, Joe, I agree with your point there. One thing I think is really, really important, though, the building materials that we build with today have fundamentally changed than what existed decades ago. They're more susceptible oh, oh, to, yeah, they're 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 not as robust or resilient. And not understanding the building science part is really where we're going with this. And that's the main. This is not meant to be punitive in any way. This is meant to be something that it, you can allow builders, even though the, the great builders or just the people who just don't know better. Maybe they were taught how to hammer a nail, but they were never taught how to air seal an attic to prevent mold. And so it's getting that information out there and making sure they have access to it and they actually go through it. That's the important side here that we don't want to miss. But, but on a side note to it, if you start charging all these people so much a year to be this or whatever they're going to do, that cost is going to get put on the homeowner or the Okay, Joe, Joe, you're breaking up a bit, but I hear you on that. But once again, thank you for the call. Once again, though, the reality is um, we're talking about a $400 to $600 insurance policy, depending on what level of work that you do in the sense of how much dollar amount. And then also you're talking about a $35 fee for an individual and $75 fee for a company. And so that expense is a minimal expense. Look at it this way. If you're going to have a $100,000 project done or a $700,000 house done, what percentage is that uh, of an expense? It's it's a minor one. If I was the, the homeowner and I was contracting you to do that level of work or amount of work, or let's say 50000 or 10000 and I find out you don't have insurance, add that to my bill. Yeah. You know, that $400 fee or whatever it is for that insurance so that we're covered in, in the event that something happens so we don't have to go through an ugly process. I mean, that's a minimal, minimal expense for what we're really looking at dollar-wise. Your thoughts, Lou? I agree with you 100%. And a couple comments have been made about a barrier getting into the construction industry. Yes. Right now, if somebody wants to get into the construction industry and doesn't even have any experience with it but is willing to learn, yes, 
I know contractors will drive them to the job site. Oh, yep. yeah. Yep. And, you know, once they get on a job site, and two things happen. One, I really don't like this. Or two, I really like this. I'm going to go further. Yes. And that's an educational process. And I think the, the argument that it's a barrier for people getting into the construction trade is, is sort of a red herring. Oh, especially when laborers right now in Chittenden County, most of them are being paid at a minimum $20 an hour to start with no skills. $20 exactly. an hour to start will help yeah. you you know, get into this, like you said, find out whether you like it or not, and then excel from there. One thing that Joe brought up about the clerk of the works that I find interesting is that it's being forecasted that by 2025 – the most sought-after position will be the handy person, the one that does have, like he said, the knowledge of a clerk of the works, a little bit of this, a little bit of that, a little bit of everything. Yep. And people are willing to pay because this generation, unfortunately, is, has not been raised to understand how to install a screen door right. or change change a light fixture, not a Un, light bulb. Uh, but uh, Unclog a drain. Uh, I've got a, a worker that I've been working with, and he has a handyman uh, business, and he said he's he's asking $75 and getting an it. hour yeah. plus $125 show-up fee, yep. and he can't beat people away. So I don't think at this particular moment that um, that we're having a, any barriers to getting into this industry. It's never been a better time to get into this industry because, exactly. because uh, uh, wages are so high and demand is so high. So if you thought, I'm interested, I mean, we had Dwight DeCoster on from the uh, Champlain Valley Office of Economic Opportunity who runs the weatherization program, and he, they're looking for people. And they're they're starting uh, salaries sixteen to twenty dollars an hour, depending on your previous experience, and they'll train you on the job. So um, I, I and by the way, those people are all going to be part of the registry, right? All of these crews, all of these companies that we're working with, they're dying to be on the registry. Please charge me a hundred dollars so that we know who's working in the industry. Uh, I, I I can't put it any other way. I do want to say I really appreciate the discussion we've had today on, on the Certainly. contractor registry. Yeah, it's been great. I want to thank Lou. Thank you so much for, for taking your time and, and spending your, your time with us. Yeah, we did have more questions for you, Lou, but, you know, sometimes the show takes on a <laughs> takes life over. So, But with that, we thank you for, for joining us today, certainly. It was a pleasure being here. It was a pleasure hearing some of the responses from your from your viewers, or excuse me, listeners. Great. Well, and with that, Lou, should somebody have questions, how do they get a hold of you about their homeowner's insurance, contractor's insurance, that type of thing? How would they get a hold of you and your organization? Let me give you my home office number, which I'm usually here you know, most of the time. You know, sure. Even if it's evenings, you know, weekends, I, I really don't care. My customers are, are used to that. Sure. Yeah, the number is 802-462-3640. Wonderful. Well, once again, Lou, thanks for joining us. And next week's show. Yeah, gosh, we got a great show next week. Yeah, definitely. Elise and Jamie Pauly from Pauly uh, Properties are going to be joining us to discuss the current state of the real estate market. And it's going to be a really exciting show for if you're looking to buy a home, sell a home, buy land and build. Is it the right time? Should you do it now? Well, what should you look for? And how do you get started? Yeah, what's the forecast on where prices are going to be in a year? Exactly. And so with that, we hope you can join us then. Uh, in the meantime, thank you for joining us today thank and all the so calls much. that we had. Yeah, Certainly. this has been a great show. Um, we're getting those IA quality, the indoor air quality monitors sent out to people through the mail. Expect them if you're on the list. Um, and we'll have the results of that indoor air quality survey at the end of the season for us, the end of March. 
And so for House Calls Vermont, I'm Jim Bradley. I'm Chris West. And you have a great weekend, everybody. House Calls Vermont today brought to you by R.K. Miles, a third-generation family-owned business, proud to be your local building material supplier. Find a location near you at rkmiles.com. By Poly Construction, for over 30 years known for anything construction, big or small jobs, one call does it all. P-O-L-L-I construction.com. Ken Libby of the Stowe Area Realty Group at Keller Williams Stowe, your trusted advisor, 802-793-2002. Curtis Lumber, with two locations in Vermont, Williston and Burlington. Request a quote for your next project online at curtislumber.com. And by Sticks and Stuff and Swanton Lumber, with locations in St. Albans, Enosburg, Swanton, Derby, and Middlesex. By Shamrock Painting, painting and custom wood finishing, shamrockpainting.com. By Wytha Windows, high-performance passive house windows and doors. Find them online at wythewindows.com. By Matt Clark's Northern Basement Systems for all things basementy. NorthernNEFoundations.com Be sure to join us next Saturday at 1230 during the noon hour for House Calls Vermont here on WDEV FM and AM.